Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Blood Memory. But first, we need to catch up on the news. All right, Morgan, we were given our first look at John Cryer as Lex Luthor. So what do you think? Okay, so I will say more menacing than I thought when they announced John Cryer was going to be Lex Luthor. And I was like, ducky. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not hating it. I got to I got to be honest. I was I was not a John Cryer true believer <laughs> i had questions and concerns uh but he looks uh he looks like a, a scary lex he looks like he's he's got his hands folded he's glaring he's glaring <laughs> so i mean he looks like he's not enjoying maximum security prison like lex probably wouldn't <laughs> no no he seems to uh not enjoy being behind bars i do think that the maximum security prison and the prison uh, attire probably helps with the menacing look. You know he's a bad guy. He's a criminal. He's been put away in jail. So there's something bad about him. So I guess that helps a little bit in this first picture to really sell it. The first time I saw it, I had to do a double take because I was like, who is that again? It almost doesn't even look like him, which I mean is kind of, you know, if you've been on a comedy for a really long time, and I mostly know you from Pretty in Pink, um, maybe that's good. <laughs> yeah, that that speaks to his transformation into the character. So uh, that does uh, seem like it's uh, pointing in a good direction for his interpretation for Lex Luthor. So I guess uh, we'll maybe see him in jail in some capacity. I don't know if another Luthor might go visit him. Uh, I don't I don't know how we will get there, but it does uh, seem like Lex Luthor might be coming up. So that's very, very exciting to get the first look of John Cryer as Lex Luthor. Well, that's all the big news we have for this week. So let's get to talking about the season four episode of Supergirl titled Blood Memory. And here is the official description. Quote, Kara joins Nia on a trip to Nia's hometown to visit her family during the town's annual harvest festival. While home, Nia's mother, guest star Kate Burton, encourages her daughter to embrace her destiny. Meanwhile, Alex deals with a street drug that is turning people violent and giving them temporary superpowers, unquote. 
So this was a follow-up episode to last week's mind wipe scenario. We actually got to see the full effect of what is uh, happening to Alex and how that's uh, further affecting Kara. So what did you think about this new Alex Danvers, who is now without the old Alex Danvers' memories? Well... I will say that I wasn't 100% wrong last week when I was like, her brain's going to be Swiss cheese and she's just (laughs) going to be walking into walls. Like, (laughs) I was immediately laughing at a couple of points when she was like, why did I come in here? (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Um, But it's funny because we were discussing last week, like, What's the extent of the mind wipe? And now we know the extent of the mind wipe is pretty significant. She know it doesn't seem like she any longer knows that her sister is even an alien. I was surprised by that. Were you? I was very surprised by that. I thought she had just taken out the they had just taken out the knowledge that she was Supergirl, not the knowledge that she's an alien, which is like a huge thing that she knew for years and years before Kara became Supergirl, and it like wasn't a big deal. That she knew that her sister was an alien. So, yeah, I was very surprised. I was like, oh, man, you really want to give Alex Swiss cheese brain, huh? That makes me question, what does she remember? My biggest question was when she's very harsh to Supergirl when she first shows up. And she's like, you know, it's Director Danvers to you and all of that. She's like, oh, hello, Supergirl. What are her memories of Supergirl? Because one would think that she would like Supergirl would show up and she'd be like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Supergirl, I've seen you before on the news. I can't believe I've never met you before in the line of duty. Like... All of her memories of Supergirl presumably would have been completely wiped out. It seemed like she had some sort of like working knowledge of Supergirl. Like, oh, it's this one again, like flying in, which doesn't make sense because every interaction she's had with Supergirl has been as, you know, Supergirl's sister, basically. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. (laughs) I feel like they are being very fast and loose with the rules. Shocking, I know. That's Supergirl. Uh, that, this, that, this, that this show of ours that has forgotten about the existence of Alex's father. <laughs> what if, what if as a twist on this memory wipe, all she can remember is that she's looking for her father? <laughs> the mind wipe would have been worth it. She's like suddenly like, oh my God, I've been so stressed out lately. Have I even ever looked for my dad? <laughs> it would be amazing. But uh, it's, it seems like they're playing really fast and loose with the rules of this mind wipe. Like, what does she remember? What doesn't she remember? Like, how how does she explain to herself some of the things that have happened in her life? Are they just giant staticky <laughs> bits in her memory she can't remember? It's It just seems to me that, like, the rules of this mind wipe are already episode one into it very very murky (laughs) yeah because her memories of both supergirl and kara are confusing because if she doesn't like because you because you mentioned how she probably would have had some sort of working knowledge of supergirl just because supergirl is a hero in the city who must have had some kind of working relationship with the DEO because out I mean director Danvers mentions <laughs> that 
And so I'm starting to wonder, because Alex was saved by Supergirl many times. I mean, there's that great shot where Alex, you know, in the, at the end of season two, she like uh, backs out of the window and she falls and Supergirl swoops in to save her. Does she not remember that because she doesn't remember that Kara is an alien? Like, wouldn't she still remember that Supergirl saved her? I don't know. That's that's the thing. Is that memory completely... Is that memory still intact? Like, she remembers that Supergirl saved her, but doesn't remember that Kara is Supergirl? Or is that memory completely gone? And she doesn't remember anything at all. And when she thinks back onto that balcony, she's just like, and then I stepped on the ledge, and then... i guess she has no memory that she even i was and then i guess i was back in the office and god what happened to poor kelly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and so there's that whole supergirl situation and and even with kara if she doesn't remember that kara is an alien how does she like, what does she think about how Kara came into their lives? That's exactly it. It's not like, from what I can understand, he removed memories. He removed these memories. He didn't replace them with, like, logical explanations for things that have no logical explanations. It wasn't like he was like, hold on, I'm going to go in, I'm going to take out your memories, and then I'm going to come up with a cover story that is like, <laughs> soup's cool, don't you worry. Like, yeah, how does she think... That Kara suddenly came to be a member of the family. I don't, I don't understand a lot, and also her family. You know, with with the uh, with Jeremiah being involved in all of this stuff too. Not that she has ever once remembered Jeremiah <laughs> after she vowed to go find him, uh, no matter what it took. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, it took effort. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like his story was also kind of like wrapped up in. I don't know. It was wrapped up in Kara. What is her thought process about what happened there? Like, is she just like, and then my dad disappeared, and then, and then I guess I just gave up looking for him. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's just all fuzzy. Like, maybe those memories are still there, but there's, there's some, a little bit of a blur on top of them. Like, maybe she knows her dad is gone, but she doesn't know why. Maybe she knows that, I don't even know if she knows Kara is adopted. Yeah, that's a good question. Does she think that Kara is her biological sister? That's a good question. But like, wouldn't he have had to go back into her memories and be like, this is your actual sister? Yeah, that's probably (laughs) true. Remember when she was born? I'm putting in a whole storyline in here. Like, what if, I mean... And this is because I'm a bad person. Like, I would just, like, really go nuts. And she'd be like, do you remember that one time that the person drove a motorcycle through a wedding? Like, I would just (laughs) And the car would be like, no. And and John could be like, I'm sorry. I was watching some soaps. I love that you still bring up that Days of Our Lives. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorites as well. Uh, yeah, so that would that would be great if he could insert memories like that. But yeah, I'm just I'm at a loss with the show because last <laughs> week I was so upset about them actually doing a mind wipe, and then once I dealt with the fact, okay, all right, fine, this is this is the choice they're going with. They are committed to this. <laughs> they are committed to this. They've and they set up a rule in that episode that she didn't know that Kara was Supergirl, and I was willing to go with that. Great. 
I can, I can, that's something I can deal with in terms of how you're telling the story. And then this week, it was like, we're doing something else now. And I just, it was very hard. It's so hard for me to get on board with this because even, even just thinking about Midvale, didn't Cara and Alex share a room in Midvale? They sure did. I'm pretty sure. I I feel very confident that they used to like, didn't Cara used to like fly her around town basically? Like they used to, you know, take little trips. Yes. Like, what 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 are her memories like of that? Just static, <laughs> more static. And I'm supposed to believe that Alex has never seen Kara without her glasses before. Oh my god! When when she Supergirl first showed up and she was like Supergirl, and I was like, now come on now, <laughs> come on, come on. I, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to go on this journey with you. <laughs> Please make it easier to go on this journey with you. It just, it was ridiculous. I know that the premise of the Superman and Supergirl stories, even from the genesis of who they are, is that they can get away with a secret identity, especially if they have glasses on. I get that. I know it. I am there with them. But as someone who is a little, um, I have issues with my vision in terms of I have to wear contacts. And so because of that, I also wear glasses. I've worn glasses glasses since I was in second grade, since I was about eight years old. So uh, people have seen me with my glasses and without my glasses, with my contacts. And uh, just thinking about my sibling relationship, my brother has seen me both with glasses and without glasses. I've seen my brother with glasses and without glasses. <laughs> I know that he is my brother when he's wearing glasses and when he's not wearing glasses. And he seems to recognize me like that too. So I have a really difficult time just from my personal experience to believe that siblings as close as Cara and Alex are would not <laughs> recognize each other, especially when they shared a room and Cara... I'm guessing, because this is how most people <laughs> operate who wear glasses, they take their glasses off before they go to sleep. What if the secret is that Car has never, just never took her glasses off, just went to sleep in her glasses, <sighs> woke up in her glasses? <laughs> I know this is such a technical thing. This is such a nitpicky thing. But people do not sleep in their glasses. They just don't do it. It's uncomfortable. It would smush up on your face. It would probably be dangerous if you broke your glasses, if you were tossing and turning in the bed. People just don't do that. So I'm having a really difficult time to believe that Carr and Alex grew up in Midvale because you're, you're, you're totally right. They did not implant new memories. They just took a few away. So I'm assuming that even in Alex's jumbled memories, she and Cara still shared a room. In Midvale, they still had, you know, sister time. And uh, I just, it's so difficult for me to buy into this. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's just so much. I was, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it as if I had been mind wiped. (laughs) Uh, It was just like, I could have bought the, she doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl. I could have, that's that I would have went on that journey with them. But the idea that she doesn't know that Kara is an alien, it's just, it's too much. And also it's, it's her whole life. Like it's Alex's whole life now that you're changing. It's not just like the past 
three or four years, it's the past her whole life. <laughs> and Kara's not going to be able to do any kind of super thing in front of Alex when she is Kara. She can't, she can't, you know, reach in and grab something out of the oven with her bare hands. She, you know, she can't cook a turkey with her heat vision. She can't do any of that kind of stuff in front of Alex now. So it's, it's something that even just the mundane aspects of their relationship are things that that, that are going to have to be avoid be avoided. And I'm with you. Like, I could have gone with the she doesn't know she's Supergirl. But the she doesn't know she's an alien thing is way, way more difficult to swallow. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. So uh, I'm definitely having a, a problem with the mind wipe. But it was interesting that Alex seemed to think something was off with her. Um, so what what did you think about that, that Alex uh, kind of internally thought something was wrong and then Jean tried to make her feel better about it? Yeah, it's not a good look the more that they keep making Jean um, do terrible things and lie to people. <laughs> it, 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 feels, it feels bad. It feels bad to me in, in my gut. Uh, but also, it just feels like poor Jean... Like, he didn't want to be in this situation in the first place, uh, but but they asked him to, and he can't say no to his girls, so I guess I'll mind-wipe somebody. And now, suddenly, he's having to lie to the person that he mind-wiped about the fact that she's mind-wiped, and he's like, I'm in, like, a really weird ethical area right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm, I'm, I was trying to do this thing where I no longer worked for a shady secret government agency. <laughs> and, like, I wore a lot more scarves <laughs> and, like, and like sensible sweaters. And I, I did some private investigating. And that was my life. And I'm, like, being peaceful. And now you keep making me do terrible things to people. <laughs> and they made him go along with the DEO adventure in this episode even though he's not working for the deo anymore he went out to uh uh parthas to deal with the the children of liberty wannabes causing chaos so he's still having to be wrapped up in their business even though he's trying to get his you know uh small business off the ground (laughs) he's a small my god he's a small business owner (laughs) could you respect his time it just feels like nobody nobody gives john any respect this season nobody respects his new like his new thing where he wants to be peaceful and like not make a scene every time he like every time he's like listen i just want to my whole thing is that I want to stay out of things and like maybe not be a jerk. And they're like, no, I need you to be a jerk very desperately. (laughs) And he's like, fine. You ask nicely, but like, I feel bad for him. (laughs) I do too. He just wants to uh, work in that cool office and do some investigative stuff on his own. He just wants some John time, I think. And now he's, (laughs) he's now wrapped back up in the DEO shenanigans. Um, Yeah. I, uh, I think that Jean was trying to do the right thing to give her kind of a placebo effect, but that seems like a temporary fix. I highly doubt that that's just going to curb her feelings of something is wrong with me forever. So I don't know. That seems like putting a Band-Aid on, you know, what what does Taylor Swift say? A a Band-Aid on a bullet hole? (laughs) Yes. As as the philosopher Tay-Tay once wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Band-aids don't fix bullet holes. Yeah, <laughs> T-Swift knows what she's talking about. She's very wise. So yeah, I, I don't know uh, how to deal with this uh, Alex memory wipe thing. Since I'm complaining a lot, 
Uh, I also don't like the implication that they seem to be laying down that without Kara in her life, Alex would be kind of a jerk. I don't know that I like this, uh, this interpretation of the character. Like, she certainly knows enough aliens, including, like, most of the people she talks to all day, uh, that you would think that her not having, like, an alien sister would not change, like, her thought process on aliens, specifically sometimes when she's talking to aliens. It was just such a weird... I was like, this doesn't... I get, I, I don't understand. Are they trying to make her take like a like a villainous turn because of this memory wipe they've definitely uh, uh, paralleled her in a lot of ways to colonel haley and also even you could maybe say agent liberty in terms of uh being put off by an alien's actions and uh there was even uh, a moment there between her uh sort of ideological debate with supergirl about humans and aliens it seems like they've you know you know kind of taken it to uh, a comparison to agent liberty a little bit about how humans feel powerless and sometimes they would maybe want to have more power so that they could uh, take on people more powerful than them um and so i i see what they're doing with that i don't Particularly, particularly think it's very strong. They did try to justify the fact that without Alex's exposure to Carr as an alien, her perception has changed and her empathy has shifted. I get what they're trying to do because they're they're trying to say that Carr and and there's a positive to this that Carr and Alex's relationship was so strong that that's what made Alex who she is or who she was. Um, she's, you know, they, the show justifies it that, you know, even though Alex has relationships with other aliens, like you mentioned, her relationship with Kara was her primary relationship during her formative years and how she developed as a human being. And that's what, that's what formed her view of aliens. But I don't know that I buy that totally because, uh, the, there are other things that shape your perspective. I, I get that they're trying to show that the the Danvers sisters' relationship was so strong that that made her a more compassionate person because she did butt heads with Carr at first when they were younger, and because of their dynamic and their their bond, Alex did kind of become a more open, better person. But I think they've taken it too far. Yeah, that that's sort of how I feel about it, too. I feel like I get sort of where they were going with it. Um, but I just think it's, yeah, I think it's taking it too far. I feel like to have her be very, as harsh and critical as she was, it feels out of character but then again they did uh they did strip away like they my memory wiped a lot of her character it just feels like such a weird thing to do to alex i mean poor alex can't catch a break she became director of the deo and then got a boss like she became the big boss and then got a boss immediately (laughs) (laughs) i can kind of i can kind of understand her making supergirl call her director danvers it doesn't appear anyone else does like (laughs) She's like, listen, just let me have this. It's not been going my way. I've earned this. Just let me have it. And on top of that, we're 11 episodes into the season, and she still hasn't adopted a child. And that's probably a little frustrating because that was kind of a big deal for her last season. And we haven't seen her on um, Adopt-A-Kid Pet Finder. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm 
do, do we think that she remembers that she wanted to adopt a child? <laughs> because I feel like that went with her memories of Kara's Supergirl and her memories that uh, that she was uh, going to find Jeremiah at all costs. <laughs> well, I mean, her relationship with Maggie sort of tied into Kara because she came out to Kara. That was a big deal. She dealt with a lot of that stuff. You know, she talked about that stuff with Kara. So maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's like, I don't know. I don't, maybe, I don't, maybe I don't want kids. I don't know. I just think that <laughs> a lot of this stuff with Alex this season hasn't made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I I don't even understand uh, uh, the, the moment with director danvers when she talks to supergirl and says you know you're literally described as the girl of steel on the outside in the end and that that really cuts deep into Kara because she's like you don't think i know what it's like to be vulnerable i definitely know what it's like to be vulnerable and alex would have known what it's like for supergirl to be vulnerable because she's seen Kara uh, have to deal with kryptonite many times even in the pilot she rescued yeah. Kara from being vulnerable um so, and and even in the pilot, I mean, there's several moments in the pilot when Kara is vulnerable, and that's the first time we see the Danvers sisters. Um, there's a great shot where they, you know, hold each other's hand while she sees the Allura AI for the first time. You know, that, those are big moments. And so, uh, I don't fully understand what, uh, what, or I keep wanting to call her Director Danvers, because I feel like that distinguishes this new Alex from the old Alex, because the old Alex, I might just call Alex. Um, but <laughs> what does director Danvers think about Supergirl? Maybe we, we kind of briefly hit on that, but wouldn't she's, wouldn't she know Supergirl is a hero in the city? Why would she, why would she think that Supergirl is not someone who is compassionate or someone who, uh, doesn't help others? Why, why would she think that? That, I don't understand it. Yeah, I was confused by that also. Like, I just don't. I just don't understand what they're doing. <laughs> I think that's what I keep coming back to. It's like, w- what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why is it necessary? <laughs> I don't have any answers to any of those questions yet. And I feel like I'm a little bit annoyed about that. Well, I am. I'm willing to see where this goes. I just wish they made the rules of all of this much simpler and much easier to follow because I don't think it's as airtight as I think they think it is. So it's very hard to consume because there's there's a lot of continuity and there's a lot of, I mean, we have four seasons of their relationship and now we don't have any of it. And it's like, what? Uh, so yeah, I don't know how they're going to move forward with this, but uh, I guess we'll see uh, how Alex's uh, memories may or may not develop uh, here in the next couple of episodes. Um, but speaking of another uh, sister relationship, this episode seemed to have a lot of uh, sister dynamics in it. Uh, so what did you think about going to Parthis, this this town that we're introduced to, which happens to be a place where humans and aliens have lived in harmony for decades? Decades, Morgan. Decades. I, uh, You know I immediately picked up on that. And then laughs, and then laughs, and then laughs. <laughs> it doesn't. If okay, <laughs> I I give up trying to figure out this time. Listen, the first season is always going to be its own universe. I think that that's something that I need to accept more. I need to really take to heart. Like the first season, 
they didn't seem like there were any aliens except for the ones that crash landed. And now, for decades, for decades, they've lived together in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I died, basically. <laughs> this is another Amadeus situation. It is Amadeus. I was like, what in the Amadeus going on? <laughs> yeah, so what did you think about getting to visit Parthus? And uh, getting to meet Nia's family. Uh, I liked all the Nia stuff. I thought the Nia stuff was really great. Um, I liked I liked Parthus. It seemed like a really chill town. Uh, they like to wear white a lot and they like <laughs> gather together, which is a little culty, I must say. It's a little, a lot culty, actually. Optics wise, not great. <laughs> not great. When you're like, listen, this is a great town where we're all very accepting. Occasionally. For, you know, for memorial services, we all wear white. And you're like, ooh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, otherwise, the town seemed great. I, I think that the stuff with um, with Nia and her sister, obviously the sister bonds and the sort of the fractures between sister bonds was the theme of this episode. That and great sweaters. <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so... Um, so I liked that theme and... Um, the idea that this poor that her poor sister had been preparing her whole life and like reading up on dream interpretation and like doing dream painting and all of this stuff because she was like prepared. She's the one who did all the homework and she's ready. And then and then Nia gets it uh, is a little heartbreaking. And I do think it does kind of um, it does kind of reflect some of the early season Supergirl episodes where we get like. Kara and Alex and the sort of learning about Car- Alex being like a little resentful of Kara's powers, especially when they were younger. Uh, and I think we're sort of seeing that in this case, although in this case, obviously, it's way more uh, pronounced because Maeve certainly thought she was going to get those powers and that it was a sure thing. Um, and I think that it's sort of heartbreaking for her that she didn't get it after all of the work that she did, but it's something that they have no control over. Oh, yeah. Maeve had memorized 30,000 species of orchids. She'd been a prodigy since she'd been in diapers. She'd been studying the language of dreams her whole life. She was fluent in dream interpretation. She'd been apprenticing with Isabel and had a painting studio. (laughs) Who among us (laughs) is not fluent? (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's good to be fluent in dream interpretation if you think that's going to be your ability um, so, yeah, I actually really liked the Nia stuff as well because I thought this episode, and I know I've given the show a hard time in the past about not being very balanced in some topical storylines, uh, but I thought this week's episode actually did a pretty good job of being balanced in uh, the perspectives from Nia and also from Maeve and showing the both sides of this issue, which can be a really tough and nuanced one. And I could sympathize with what Nia was going through because I like that we got to see that she didn't want to hurt her sister. She couldn't help that she'd gotten the powers and she even tried to give them away. She tried to give them to Maeve. She wanted Maeve to have them because she knew that Maeve had done all her homework. And I I liked that Nia didn't put herself uh, first, that she put her sister first. And I appreciated that they showed that aspect of her character and what she was going through. And I really felt for Nia in uh, showing that. And but at the same time, I also liked that the show approached the storyline um, with showing 
Maeve's perspective as well, as well on how hard she had wanted this her whole life and how hard she had worked for it. And uh, in, in some respects, I think Nia even thought that Maeve would probably be the better one to have these powers because she had done all the homework, because she knew what dreams would have meant, that maybe uh, Maeve should have been the one to be the chosen one instead of her. And so I, I thought that it was good on the show to show both of those perspectives and also to even from for Maeve's perspective to allow Maeve to be upset about it and for Nia to feel guilty about it. I thought that the show did a really good job of showing both sides of that story and and allowing for a chance for both of them to grow from it. Um, so for, for a show that hasn't been the best, on showing <laughs> both sides of a story and doing it well, I thought uh, Supergirl this week did a, did a pretty good job. Yeah, I was also impressed with, you could see both people's perspectives pretty cl- pretty clearly, and you could sympathize with them, even if you like maybe didn't agree, like, oh, you know, get over it, Maeve, or whatever. You could at least understand why she would be upset, you know, after all that research. Um, and I think that that was a, a really interesting way to do it where it's more compelling that way because you can see it from, from both of their sides and, and you can really understand why this is such a, a difficult like argument or disagreement for them to have because they do care about each other a lot, but that's, it's going to be a hard, you know, hurdle to get over. Uh, I think for both of them. And although I have to say the spider death uh, what did you think of the spider death? Because I yelled, what just happened? <laughs> okay, so let me pull up um, the dreams. Did I miss a lot? I felt like I missed a lot. I was like, did did we know about these deeply dangerous, poisonous spiders? And then nobody was that concerned after she died about there being just like these killer spiders on the loose, <laughs> which I thought would have been more of a concern for everyone involved. But they were like, no, quick, put on your white cult robe. Let's get down to the memorial. <laughs> I, I can understand your confusion on that because in, on first viewing, I couldn't quite uh, figure out if that was a real spider or if that was part of a dream sequence. Dream spider. I am coming down on the side of that was Nia seeing a vision of her mother about to die. That is, cause, because I don't think the spiders were real. I think the spiders were uh, part of the dream interpretation of showing that something bad was going to happen. So so do you think that she died of some sort of, like, medical condition? And then the spider was just supposed to be telling her, like, something's happening? Because afterwards, she was like, I should have seen it coming. The dream I had in the car, there were spider webs all over everything. Like, she was really, like attached to this spider thing and then I was like wait did she really die of a spider bite well and she does say something like Nia does say oh the spider bit you yeah it was the weirdest I feel like I don't I feel like it was like a dream for me where I was like (laughs) what's real and what's happening I don't I don't know that this but then I also don't know that it was a conscious choice to have it be that trippy like I, I it was just very strange the, w- the way she so abruptly died, 
And I just, I just wanted somebody, literally anyone to be like, man, weird about that spider, huh? <laughs> like just anything, just anything. <laughs> or like, I can't believe mom died of that, you know, that heart attack or something to explain the death. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree because if a, a deadly spider bit her and she died, I would be concerned staying in that house. Yeah, same. That's what I was thinking. I'm not going to stay in this house with a deadly spider still in it. Listen, I have wanted to move <laughs> places just because of a normal spider. <laughs> like seeing a normal spider and being like, I guess the bedroom is his now. Uh, <laughs> so I can't imagine if there's a deadly spider that I saw take out my mom. I think I would be like more concerned about it. No one seemed to mention it. And I was so confused about that. This goes back to the episode from a couple episodes ago uh, called Rather the Fallen Angel about whether you would kill the spider or not. That's true. That's true. Callback. I think in this uh, scenario, I would definitely kill the spider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would uh, I would move that spider straight on out of the house. So it wouldn't kill me. <laughs> uh, of course, every time I think about that, I think about Suzanne Sugarbaker on Designing Women when she's like, the man has to kill the bug. Uh, <laughs> I always think about that. So uh, uh, Nia and Maeve's dad would have to kill the bug. So, <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're thinking about it in those terms, I guess it was a real spider. But again, I don't know. I I thought both scenarios, so I'm not really sure. Again, again, things in this, like the big broad themes of what was going on in this episode, pretty good. The sister dynamics, um, you know, the... Uh, the emotional, weighty material going on in this episode, really good. Some of the attention to detail and how those things worked and how we were supposed to interpret them, a little... Uh, <laughs> less good. A, a little less good, a little murky. Uh, some of it didn't uh, make a ton of sense. But I did, I mean, since we're speaking about the dreams... I did like the way they shot the dream sequences. It was a little more, you know, muted tones. Uh, you could tell just because of the way it was shot and the things that were going on and kind of the weird imagery. I I was like, well, this is this is definitely a dream. Some of the stuff with the spider biting the the mom biting Isabel. Uh, that's up to your your dream interpretation. But <laughs> some of the sequences. When uh, Nia sees her mom drinking the black liquid, which turned out to be the, the paint ink, uh, her sitting with Maeve at the table drinking wine in a field, and then spiders crawl out of the glass that's been spilled, and uh, the, the crows, I guess, that came and circled them. Like, all of that stuff I thought was really beautiful and really well done. So uh, that stuff you could definitely tell was a dream sequence. Even the even the sequence when uh, at the culty like <laughs> memorial service, uh, Nia has she. I guess Nia sort of like falls asleep during her mother's funeral. You know, funeral <laughs> service. I guess she sort of dozes off. I guess because you know your your mother's memorial service is a little boring. I guess for Nia, <laughs> but she dozes off and she has this premonition. To, to save her sister from this guy wielding an axe who comes through the barn. I thought that was really well executed. I mean, just A-plus on the editing, the way it was shot, the performance. Everything was really, really good. 
I just wish they had made maybe the big uh, turning point of the episode with the death. That could have maybe been done a little better. But I think for the most part, the dream sequences were were really well done. Yeah, I agree. I really like the dream sequences. I thought that they looked really cool. Um, yeah, I just I feel like with something like that, when it and you know what, going back to the Alex stuff, it takes me out of my viewing experience. It takes me out of the story. It takes me out of the episode because now I'm like, wait, was that a real spider? Why is no one mentioning how she died? Did she die of a spider bite? Did she die of something else? Wait, what are what out memories does Alex even have? Why does Alex seem to like rec- have like some sort of recognition with Supergirl? What does she remember about Supergirl? Like, so now I'm down a spiral of like asking <laughs> questions that the show is not super interested in answering and I'm taken out of the story. I just want to live in the story I don't want to live in my very confused questions. (laughs) I am very open to uh, readers or viewers' interpretation. I like stories that are a little more open-ended, like, oh, you know, this is... This is not fully answered because it allows me to discuss it with people and I can figure it out on my own. I want to get there on my own to figure out what this means. I like those kind of stories, but I'm with you. Like, there are some things you have to tell people. You have to, as a writer, connect those dots so that we don't have to. Uh, so there are some things that I do want. I do want you to close that up. It's not a mystery like Lost. It's like not. <laughs> it's not like the big mystery is what memories does Alex still have? Like no, it's just it seems like sloppy storytelling because we just they just haven't told us what's going on. It's just, it's I don't know. It, I know what you mean. Like I definitely I enjoyed those kind of like murkier stories too where it's like you can kind of read your own uh interpretation into it but i feel like with some of the stuff that happened in this episode that's not what specifically what was happening it was just it just felt sloppy there should be a point in writing for tv where by the time you get to the end of the episode the viewer should be like oh that's what it is oh i see what they were doing that whole time and there was some of that in this episode, especially with the dreams, like connecting the spiders and the black liquid and some of that stuff. Like it, some of that came together, but for the bigger questions, it's still like, what, what, what are they doing? And I guess from a character standpoint, Jean and Kara are still trying to figure out what's going on with Alex. They're they're still from a character standpoint, still trying to nail down the rules of what they've done. So. I guess I can go with it because, like, the characters are still confused. So maybe that's the point? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But the fact that they're confused is also, like, a little bit concerning, isn't it? Like, (laughs) they're like, oh, my God, what's going on with Alex? It's like, I don't, did you not consider, wait, what kind of, what kind of mind like expert are you john (laughs) (laughs) you should know exactly what you're doing when you pull memories listen john as a small as a small business owner (laughs) (laughs) you really should think these kind of things through this is how you're gonna deal with your business you're just gonna jump into something without having thought about it and looked at all the angles you're not going to do well with that small business if you do it like that. It doesn't bode well for his small business, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about his prospects. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess since we've talked a lot about uh, Nia and a lot about Kara, they did have some time together and they bonded a little more in this episode. And 
Kara shared, well, I guess they both shared some pretty big things uh, with each other. So what did you think about, <laughs> and I did laugh, I will say uh, that when Kara jumped at the chance to pitch a story to James so that she could leave work, I immediately thought about you, Morgan. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm shocked that you even thought to pitch a story to leave work. I, I'm surprised you didn't just leave work. <laughs> but then at the end, don't worry, don't worry, because at the end, they were like, how did your story go? And she was like, oh, I didn't really get anything. <laughs> so <laughs> even though she pitched it to James, is like, I want to take this road trip. Um you know, for story for this story. And then she came back and he was like, okay, great. What's the story? She's like, eh, whatever. Like, no, she, she just saw, uh, she just saw people almost burned alive in a (laughs) memorial service, but I guess no story there. She's a reporter. (laughs) That's news. Not great at it still. And she's mentoring Nia to be a... That's the best part. Nia's like, I have all these great story ideas. And Kara's like, you know what? My advice is less of that. (laughs) (laughs) And what's what's funny to me is they mentioned in the episode that Nia's read Cat Grant's book like 14 times. And I just kept thinking, that's probably 14 more times than Kara's read it. So (laughs) Nia's, Nia's already got a leg up. That is... Very true. Also, okay, so I will be honest. I thought it was very touching when Kara told Nia her secret about being Supergirl, but it also um, caused a little bit of what I would call a rage scream. <laughs> uh, just on the on behalf of my girl Lena Luther, hold it down uh, because. She's known uh, Nia for, um, it looks like, 10 minutes, and she's already told Nia the secret. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lena, Lena Luther is like, hey, I always got your back. I'm your bestie. I'm super smart at science. I'm a little morally ambiguous and probably <laughs> a, bad, a, a bad secret could tip me either way. And she's like, definitely don't want to tell her. <laughs> I want to tell this new friend of mine. She's super cool. And I like her. My other friend, Lena, you know what? Doesn't seem like the right time. Never is the right time. So when she told Nia, I was angry on Lena's behalf. Listen, Lena has been working hard to earn this secret. And sure, she's killed a couple people, mostly by accident. But it doesn't mean that she's not trying. (laughs) She's trying so hard. She's trying so hard. God, just let her have this. (laughs) I will agree with you that... It does seem a little strange that after all that Kara and Lena have been through, that Kara would not share that secret with her. I think they gave a little bit of a justification for why she does tell Nia and why she maybe wouldn't tell Lena. Because I did like the moment when she tells Nia, she tells her the secret and her her identity about being Supergirl and all of that because she thinks that it will help Nia. She thinks that by being open about who she is and um, uh, understanding her situation with her sister, that that will help Nia not feel so alone. It might make her feel like someone's on her side and someone is experiencing the same things that she is. I like that it was a very Supergirl thing for her to do to want to help someone. So she's doing this. She's outing herself to Nia to help her. And I thought that that was actually really great. But at the same time, like, 
she could also do that to help Lena on some level. Probably at some point. (laughs) I don't know. It does seem a little strange. But I'm glad that this happened because I remember being irritated before when Nia told Kara that she was an alien. And Kara was like, yeah, I don't have anything that I need to tell you also. (laughs) So at at least now she, she said, okay, Nia has told me something very personal about herself. And she's being really authentic with me right now. I need to do this. Um, you know, I need to do the same with her. So I'm, I'm glad that that happened, but I agree on, on Lena Luther's behalf. It's very frustrating. Um, so, and I also liked that the, we talked a little bit about how this episode is, uh, very heavy on the sister dynamics. And I thought that Kara and Nia were being the sisters they didn't have at the moment. Like Nia and Maeve have... Uh, gone their separate ways, I guess, because Maeve said something really hurtful and Nia doesn't know how to handle it and it seems like they're not talking to each other and Kara and Alex have uh, something in between them that is causing them to drift apart. And so Kara and Nia are sort of filling that void for each other that they're missing right now. And I like that they are both the sisters that have powers. They both have a secret that they're keeping from their sister. And so I like that they uh, use that in the writing to bond those two characters. So I, I think that was actually really well done. Yeah, I thought that was really well done as well. I liked I liked that um, the connection between the two of them and how they're sort of having a rocky moment with their sisters and sort of turning to each other. I like that. Yeah, and Kara at one point tells Nia, I have faith that the love between two, two sisters will prevail in the end. I have to believe that. So that's giving me uh, some faith that maybe in the end, Kara and Alex will get back to, to where they were, maybe even better as sisters, and maybe Nia and Maeve can come to uh, an understanding and and be the loving sisters that we saw when Nia first got to Parthus and uh, Maeve seemed really excited to see her. So um, I, I hope that that is foreshadowing the good things will be coming for both sets of sisters in the end, which will probably be some time from now because we're going to have to wait till the end of the season for it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hopefully that will everything will work out in the end. Well, uh, Morgan, so I, I guess we can wrap up our discussion. Uh, so what, what did you think overall about uh, Blood Memory? Was it a step up from last week? I think it was definitely a step. Well, I mean, last week was fine <laughs> until the end. Right. Um, but I think it was a step up from last week because I think that the, the stuff that didn't make me angry was more compelling than last week's stuff uh, because I felt like last week's was very much, besides the memory wipe nonsense that we're still mad about, the last week's was kind of middle of the road. And I feel like this episode was a little bit better than middle of the road. I really liked all the Nia stuff. I've liked her pretty much like the whole season through. And so getting to see more of her home life and, um, and the stuff about her powers was really interesting. Um, and I, I, uh, so I think the Nia stuff really saved the episode for me. Yeah, I would agree that the Nia stuff was really great. Uh, it was cool to learn more about her family and her, uh, backstory, learning about her mother and where she came, you know, how she came to earth and, um, more about the Naltorian, uh, you know, uh, 
rules in terms of their powers and how they're passed down. Uh, that stuff I really liked. I really liked all the dream sequences and, and all of that. Yeah, the Alex stuff was a little frustrating, but I liked what that did for Kara um, because Kara is my favorite character. And so I like it when Melissa Benoist actually gets things to do. Sometimes I feel like Melissa Benoist gets the shaft. Like she doesn't sometimes get the good stuff. I don't know why that is. I mean, the show is Supergirl. She should be the primary character and, and get the primary stories on the show. But sometimes I feel like she gets lost in her own show. And so the Alex stuff in this episode gave Melissa some really great opportunities to show how this was affecting Kara in a negative way, how it was emotionally affecting her in terms of making her sad, um, uh, making her a little bit, I don't know if it was anger when she used her heat vision to uh, knock that gun out of, out of director Danvers's hand, but she, <laughs> you know, she seemed kind of shocked at herself that she even did that and took an aggressive action with Alex. So I, I think that this has been really good for Kara in some ways because she even got a great comedic moment with the donuts and, and I, I just, I like the fact that it's giving Melissa some really good stuff to do and it's showing um, how this affects Kara because Kara, when she came to Earth, that was probably a really scary time for her to get to, you know, get used to Earth and get to know other people and the, the relationship that she has for Alex. Not only was that formative for Alex to have that relationship with Kara, but that was so important for Kara because she had someone she could be herself with for such a long time. And Alex believed in her and defended her. And yes, some of the stuff at the beginning of their relationship was a little rocky, but they got over it and they became sisters. And uh, so this is this is huge for Kara. This is hugely devastating for her. And I'm really glad that Melissa has been so good. And even even though the, the storyline is a bunch of nonsense and a lot of it doesn't make <laughs> any kind of sense, Melissa is, is, I think, especially really trying to sell it. And so I like it from a performance point of view. But I thought for me, this episode was a, a tremendous step up from last week because I think the writing some of the the plot points and the rules of things was not great but i think for the most part uh, the the character beats and uh some of the moments between the characters and the emotional stuff i think was really well uh written and executed so for me this was a lot better than last week yeah i think that the the one thing that the show has going for it is that it has such an amazing cast that it can kind of be lazy at times like it can kind of skimp on you know, the stuff that makes us annoyed because you know that Melissa Benoist is going to, like, knock her performance out of the park. You know that Kyra Lee is going to kill it. Like, so so many good actors on this show can really save things that make me go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at least glad to see some some good acting. Some there... The, the drug dealers may not have had the greatest performance of their lives. <laughs> I will say that. Some, some, there was some acting from some of the, uh, the, the bit players that uh, could have maybe used another take or two. Uh, but from the, our main cast members, I thought they d- did a really good job of trying to, to sell the nonsense. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Blood Memory. Our first tweet is from at Jeremy Klein, 1975. Has Jesse changed Brainy's voice? And if so, what is the rationale? I think in the beginning it sounded a little bit different, but I I think towards the end he, he clicked back into normal Brainy voice. Maybe it was 
like method acting from his bros. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe he was just uh, he was trying a little something new, and maybe he was not sure how to interact with Alex after the mind wipe, and so he was being weird about it. I don't know, but I did notice a little a little change, but I I think it kind of got back to where it was by the end. Um, at Jay Walker, um. The second said, uh, when Nia's sister said, you're not even a real woman, that hit home on issues I deal with being a mixed black guy that get lo- that gets looked down on by some black people. I love how this show has events that relate to real life struggles with superheroes like Kara can emphasize with. Um, and uh, at Electra WWF says, is it possible that Lex Luthor has a hand in the training of a uh, Kaznian Kara? Could he be the American that was being called at the end of the episode? It would be interesting if it turns out that the electricity from K Kara affected a bunch of different things, people that we'll start seeing throughout the rest of the ep- of the season. Yeah, I I think that that call was trying to reach Lex Luthor. I feel like that way too. I, I'm I'm more interested to see what is going on with like red daughter Kara and if we will ever see her speak a sentence <laughs> does she speak or does she just hit rocks a lot she she just punches things that is her <laughs> whole deal you know sometimes when I get frustrated by what's going on with this show I'm like god you know I some of this other stuff really stinks but man I'm interested in that red daughter situation what is going on with her so I really hope they ramp that up because some in some parts of the episodes, I'm like, that is actually the stuff I'm looking forward to the most. So hopefully we'll get more information on her. Yeah, I, I want to know so much more about her. Um, okay, at Chris Fundelinski said, Aw, no memories of Alec, uh, for Alex of why Kara's favorite movie is Wizard of Oz. I don't like this. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do, however, love the but uh, the budding bond between Kara and Nia. Nia's family story hit all the feels. Also, love the build up to Kara coming out to Nia. Um, at Danshin underscore Panda said the best episode so far of the season. This Nia centric episode was emotional from start to finish. Women truly are the superior beings. Uh, trans lives matter. I wish Alex would get her memories back soon. Sad face. At SL Fricky said, can't say I feel too bad about the state of Carr and Alex's professional relationship when Alex knew more about that situation at the end than Carr did. Alex is just more objective and willing to call Supergirl out on her failings now. Yay for less nepotism in the DEO. <laughs> oh, you are harsh, SL Fricky. Maybe right, but harsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Patty Mello 20 said, this episode was way better than last week's, but I hate Alex not knowing who Carr is. It feels so wrong. I want my Danvers sisters back. Nia's sister was so cruel. She knew exactly what to say to hurt Nia the most. It was painful to watch. A lot of sister angst. There was a lot of sister angst. Uh, Well, we have an email from Cameron who has some thoughts about Alex, writing, quote, I understand they removed any knowledge that Kara is Supergirl and Kara being an alien, but it shouldn't have removed memories that Supergirl has saved Alex many times and they've worked together nicely. So Alex adopting the same animosity that Haley has towards Supergirl doesn't really make sense. Jean's explanation about Alex's change doesn't quite add up because she is still fine with the other aliens in her life like Brainy and Jean, unquote. Yeah, and we, we did kind of hit on a little bit of that. And it's a good point about Haley because Haley has not. I mean, well, Supergirl did save Haley's life, and that didn't really uh, that didn't really sway her very much. Yeah. So, 
So I think Haley is very different in that regard. But I think this comes down to, it just comes down to what did the memory wipe do? Did the memory wipe just take out her knowledge that Supergirl, the car was Supergirl? Or did the memory wipe like wipe out memories of Alex, you know, and, um, and Supergirl entirely? Because you would think that maybe it did wipe out some of those memories entirely because she didn't remember that her sister's favorite movie was the wizard of Oz. So did she forget that memory? Like, why would she forget that memory? Wouldn't she just have that memory, but just think that her sister's favorite movie was the wizard of Oz. Like Cara's explanation, which was that like, I was an alien and I was in a strange land and that's why I really relate it. And that's why Alex doesn't remember it. (laughs) Yeah. You would think that would have more to do. Like if, Eliza's memory was affected that would be more of an issue for Eliza because Kara talks about how Eliza introduced her to the Wizard of Oz so yeah I'm with you I don't think that would have made a difference because unless she told Alex like I really love the Wizard of Oz because you know this really uh, is you know personally affecting to me yeah and even but even still like wouldn't she have that piece of knowledge that my sister's favorite movie is the wizard of oz like regardless of why the reason was Be- because that is not going to that's the constant that doesn't change yeah that's that's the favorite movie just like you would think that if it was just that she had these memories had been removed but she still remembered like super oh supergirl saved me i don't know who supergirl is um versus you know Kara, my sister, saved me? Or does she just not remember having anything with Supergirl? Like, I just, I want them to tap down what is happening inside poor Alex's Swiss cheese brain right now. <laughs> I, I feel like we have a Swiss cheese brain now no, I, as well. I, the more the more I think about it, the more confused I get. <laughs> um, so we have a question from Jen who asks, why was the gamma burst from Russia only tracked back to the RV? It spread across the planet. Why is nobody looking into that? <laughs> That's an excellent question. He said uh, Al- Alex would look into it, but she can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a good point because it did seem like it affected the rest of the world. I don't know. Maybe when it traveled around the globe, maybe it didn't affect anything until it landed on something. But it seems like if, you know, your gamma rays went around the world, they should be affecting other things. You would think so. You would think so. (laughs) Well, we have an email from Danae who shared some thoughts about James in this week's episode. Danae writes, quote, Mackenzie's story was just shut down without James asking Lena where the the lost money went. She (laughs) asked him last week to be her moral guide in this project, and now he is already ignoring his better judgment. I believe the right moral thing would have been to ask her the questions he needed to know so that he could warn Lena about her mistake if she made them. But instead, he ignored the promise he made to play board games with her. Although I don't know if he, if I could have denied her request for playing board games, especially with that adorable sweater, unquote. <laughs> so two things in this, Danae. So uh, Morgan, uh, what are your thoughts on James kind of covering up Lena's uh experiments and um shutting down Mackenzie's story <sighs> James this season has been my sighing shaking my head at James season uh and I feel like it's just that's continuing I mean really nothing like shutting down an investigation into your girlfriend yeah that's not <laughs> corrupt at all into your girlfriend's shady activities um also d- d- like it's just 
I mean, it must be so strange that everybody knows that, like, first off, Lena owns the, the owns the place, owns the media company. But also, I assume everybody knows that James and Lena are, are like, shacking up because, you know, uh, he lives in there. So, <laughs> so, I mean, Mackenzie, you have to give respect to Mackenzie, who on, like, multiple different levels knew this was going to be awkward. <laughs> But she still did it anyway. She's like, listen, I missed out on that fashion story, and I'm not I'm not about to miss out on this one. <laughs> Mackenzie is the only one at Catco doing work. Mackenzie's like, listen, I've got a bunch of ideas, and they're like, shh, we're going on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's air quotes work. <laughs> I didn't like Mackenzie in, in her first uh, uh, her first outing on the show, but I'm started I'm starting to like Mackenzie. She's a go getter. She is trying to do some stuff. She is actually working at Catco, so I got to give her points for that. Uh, but I do think what James did was super corrupt and uh, unethical, unethical, and he needs to do better. So uh, that's not going to go well for James if people find out that he's done that. I feel like James in general has been journalisting not great. Not great. Like, I feel like he's never really cracked open like a like a media ethics book of any kind at any point. <laughs> and didn't he? I assume he worked with Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Did he not learn anything? Apparently not the right things. <laughs> he like he learned like the it's cool to report on yourself stuff. But not like the truth and justice stuff, <laughs> which are maybe the more important things when you're a journalist. But that's just my opinion. Uh, so, and the other thing that Danae mentioned that I think we should use this opportunity to uh, to open up a Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom segment. <laughs> And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Fun fact, we got a lot of feedback from listeners about that sweater that Lena wore in this week's episode, and it makes me extremely happy that this is what listeners are writing us about. <laughs> the hard-hitting topics. <laughs> well, I appreciate that with all of the, the, the more divisive things about this season. I mean, there are a lot of things in this season I personally find very divisive and, uh, you know, splitting apart the audience and, you know, trying to make, you know, separate people into groups. I, I feel like some of the stories they're doing, all the topical stories that they're doing kind of make people choose certain uh, things. But I at least like that we can all come together and unite over Lena Luther's wardrobe. So that that I, I find very rewarding. <laughs> it is what unites us all. It is what unites us because we had a request to to do Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom from at Dr. Ange 70 on Twitter, who also does a, a great Supergirl site at uh, comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com. Uh, a great Supergirl website if you want to go read uh, Angie's um, reviews and commentaries uh, about the show and comics and all things Supergirl. Uh, but he requested boardroom or ballroom. We had at least that I could count four emails that we got that mentioned the sweater. So, Morgan, we need to talk about it. We need to get into this sweater. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Lena's gray sweater? This is the best sweater I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not going to be hyperbolic about it. This sweater changed my life and I'm a different person now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> literally, literally when he walked in the door and he was like, and she was like, oh, let's do, you know, board game preparation. And I was like, that's what up. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it was the perfect boardroom or ballroom moment for me uh, because it is so cute. It's like so it looks it looks really comfy first of all but also it looks great with her coloring and she also found like a perfect place to sit with just like a bunch of natural light <laughs> like she could have not found like a better place and position and sweater to use to be like hey maybe forget that time i killed a dude <laughs> <laughs> don't write about that shady experiment i'm doing <laughs> Yeah, I really like this sweater, too. I'm a big fan of sweaters. They're so comfy. I don't like cold weather as much. I've grown to despise snow uh, in the last couple of years. I don't want it to ever snow in, in my area because it's a disaster. But man, I like sweaters. I like to wear a good sweater. And this was a great sweater. It's casual, yet it's also somehow very elegant. It is. Somehow she makes this sweater just rise above the occasion. Because <laughs> I know like with boardroom or ballroom, we talk about how does this fit the uh, the occasion she is wearing it to or for? Is this, do you think, a boardroom or ballroom, do you think this sweater is an appropriate game night uh, piece of clothing. Absolutely. I feel like this sweater could go anywhere, could do anything, could climb any mountain. <laughs> uh, this sweater can do it all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks so comfy. It's got like that, like a little bit of like a cow neck, but not really. It's like, you know that you're like comfy in the sweater. You're not overheating. You get a little bit of air. But also, you're warm. You're warm and you're ready to tackle game night. You're ready to tackle anything. Well, and I guess I should be technically correct. This was not game night. This was just game night training. It was preparation. Does that change your answer? Is this appropriate for just game night training? It's almost too much of a sweater for game night <laughs> training. <laughs> it's almost a waste of the power of that sweater. <laughs> and also, do you think there is, I mean, is there shoulder? I mean, there certainly is some shoulder. <laughs> I, I think that's how you can tell, like, it's a powerful sweater because I can see a little clavicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good color. It's a good color on her. It's a good color. I can see some shoulder so you know that she's like in her element. She's ready to tackle game night prep. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect Lena Luther sweater. The sweater brought us all together. It, heal it healed all of our wounds. <laughs> we had so many wounds prior to this. And I think uh, it, that went a long way. That sweater did its job. <laughs> And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Um, so our next email is from Abby, who writes, I love the Nia storyline. She has instantly become a favorite of mine, and I can't wait to see what happens in the future. I thought the Supergirl reveal was well-written and that it made sense. However, I like the idea that there was now a limited number of people who knew Kara's secret. So we have somebody who's like, maybe less people should know the secret. I mean, if we did lose a person that's true but now we've gained one <laughs> so we're back to where we were so <laughs> it has canceled they've canceled each other out so yeah it's uh very strange how that worked out well we have an email from gina who writes quote the alex mind wipe is lasting more than one episode part of me wish some of the listeners guesses were right about it lasting an episode or two yeah that's 
what we want it. Maybe it'll end next week. Who knows? Uh, probably not. But maybe. Uh, Gina goes on to say, as much as I wanted to see where this will go, just the few scenes of Supergirl and Alex interacting with each other were punching me hard in the face. Oh, Gina says they're using this mind wipe as a parallel with Agent Liberty, which I don't know if I'm okay with. It's an interesting angle. Yes, uh, we get to see the true impact Kara has, uh, uh, Kara as an alien has had on Alex as an earthling. The effects on the mind wipe is beyond just how it affects the sisterly bond, though that is still the heart of this character's study, unquote. So yeah, I like Gina's point that uh, the mind wipe, yeah, it's a plot point, but it's also kind of a character study into Alex. It's a character study into Kara and how that affects uh, Kara and dealing with losing part of her sister. So in some ways, I'm okay with the mind wipe because it at least gives us some good Kara and Alex stuff. Um, Leslie shared some thoughts about Alex's new attitude, writing, Where is all of this hatred for su- of Supergirl coming from? Alex says Supergirl is the girl of steel inside and out. Why would Alex think that? In the pilot, it was said that Eliza and Jeremiah Danvers worked with Superman and taught him to understand his powers. So why is Alex so downright hateful and cutting towards Supergirl? It was awful to watch. By the look on Kara Supergirl's face, she was rightly devastated. It. Uh, good points. I kind of forgot about that, that uh, Eliza and Jeremiah, uh, may he rest in peace, had worked <laughs> with uh, with Superman. And so, yeah, why is she being, I think that's sort of my problem. I see what they're reaching for. I just don't think it makes any, it doesn't make a lot of sense give, with this particular character to do it with Alex. Nobody could see it, but I took a drink of water while you were talking. And when you mentioned Jeremiah, I kind of almost did a spit take. <laughs> 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 Nobody could see that, but I just want to let you know it happened because it made me laugh. I think what's great, though, is that we've mentioned Jeremiah more times in this one episode than they ever have on the whole show. I don't think they've mentioned him maybe at all this season. I don't think they've mentioned him in like two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of he is one of Supergirl's forgotten now. Uh, he's on the top list of the forgotten of Supergirl. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point to bring up Eliza and Jeremiah. Um one, we don't know if Eliza knows about what has happened to Alex. Should she be let in on this uh, very big change <laughs> in Alex's life? And uh, two, does Alex know anything about Superman? I guess not. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, that's a confusing one because did she only think about Superman in relationship to her sister, who is Superman's cousin, and therefore now she doesn't know much about Superman or? You know, it gets so confusing. What does she or doesn't she know? <laughs> Would she know that her parents helped Superman? Could she still know that? Because, I mean, that was even before Kara showed up on Earth. Yeah. So it seems like she should remember that. And it should be fine because it's not super direct, um, super directly linked to Kara. And yet, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Even if it makes sense that she would know about Superman, she probably doesn't. Who knows? It's all just a goof. (laughs) It's whatever the writers want it to be. Uh, Well, we have some thoughts on James from a listener named Alex who asks, quote, What have the writers of this show done to James Olsen? They have taken an iconic DC Comics character, a loyal ally of Superman and Supergirl, and transformed him into a lovesick toady of Lex Luthor's sister. For the first three seasons, the writers painted James as the pillar of journalistic integrity and constantly spouting about unbiased reporting. 
Now and now they have him killing stories about potentially dangerous research research by LuxCorp or LCorp in order to mm-hmm. protect his girlfriend's company. It was bad enough when James was duped by the Children of Liberty into blowing up a building <laughs> on camera, espousing the Children of Liberty's views, but this has become too much. And speaking of James, what became of the big deal of him taking off the mask and admitting he is Guardian? <laughs> I forgot that happened. <laughs> um, Alex goes on to say, considering the current arc about Kara being forced into revealing her identity, what's the big deal? It doesn't seem to have harmed James or his friends or family, unquote. So many good questions about James. My God. Some great points in here, Alex. Some really <laughs> solid points. <laughs> I had 100% forgotten about James admitting he was Guardian. Like, literally no part of me remembered that was a storyline <laughs> happening this season at all. And apparently, neither did the writers. <laughs> they could have, I mean, I think we've even talked about it before at the very beginning of the season, that, that this would have been a good thing for them to uh, parallel James and the Guardian identity to Kara and the Supergirl identity. That, I think, would have been really effective. Uh, but I, I don't even think they want to go back to Guardian. I don't when was the last time we saw Guardian? I feel like they're done with Guardian. I feel like they are just trying to tap James in a different direction and hope that we all forget about Guardian. <laughs> At one point, I would have been okay with that, but I kind of miss Guardian. We've gone too far down Guardian's road now. I can't just pretend that we... <laughs> I just can't pretend that all of our memories... <laughs> we have not been mind-wiped. Listen, John has not mind-wiped us yet. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's a good point about James touting himself as the, the pillar of journalistic integrity. He has been kind of hoity-toity about that and now he's kind of you know pushing stories out like you know hey don't don't write about my girlfriend so yeah i think those are really great points um so we have a question from daryl who asks i just met nia's mother and i'm not ready for her to go either especially since her death was so unexplained does she have an allergy to spiders yeah i mean we don't know i feel like listen no one wants to hear me talk about these spiders anymore. People have been, I'm sure, listening to this podcast going like, Morgan, get over the spider thing. So I'm not going to add anymore. I hope <laughs> nobody has any arachnophobia um, because I am going to talk, <laughs> talk about the spiders. Um, because I did a little digging into uh, what spiders and dreams mean. I mean, nobody knows for sure. It's just people taking guesses about it. But I found a couple of sites that I thought had some interesting things about uh, spiders and dreams. Um, so dreamdictionarynow.com makes the case that when you dream about spiders, they can represent your future or your fear or some sort of entrapment. So I think that could apply to to maybe Nia, that this, this whole thing with her mom and the spiders, it was all about her becoming dreamer and accepting her destiny and maybe some of her fear and keeping that secret from Maeve. So uh, so I think that could maybe apply to, to Nia's story. And then the other site that I found was dream-meaning.net, which suggests that dreams that include a spider can indicate that you're feeling like an outsider and that spiders are also symbolic of feminine powers 
or an overbearing mother figure in your life. And spiders are also a symbol of creativity due to the intricate webs they spin. So I thought that oh. I thought that also maybe applied to Nia as well. Uh, Nia felt like an outsider, um, and that's why Parthas was such a big deal to her because she felt included. She felt like she belonged. Um, and talking about the feminine powers, and even mentioning the mother, I don't think Isabel was an overbearing mother. But uh, that was just kind of an interesting little bit there um, from those dream websites. Very cool. That's very interesting. Maybe Isabel had an allergy to spiders and maybe that that one bite just it was too much. Uh, But also maybe it could just be uh, we don't know. Uh, So so that's my best (laughs) guess. Uh, well, we also have a question from New Rachel who asks, quote, Did the beginning with a red daughter car remind anyone else of Overgirl's situation in Crisis on Earth X? Or was that just me? Is she going to get sick because of the radiation that was given to her? And, and will that be why she finally leaves Kaznia and goes in search of our Kara? Or would that be too similar to Overgirl, unquote? Uh, I think that's a great question, New Rachel, because Hmm. uh, that was the big thing with Overgirl is that something was physically affecting her and she needed our Kara's heart in order to save herself. So, I mean, I can see the uh, comparison. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't even think about that. Uh, So we have some thoughts from Susan, who writes, The Alex-Cara dynamic was everything I had hoped it would be when the writers engineered it so Alex doesn't know Cara is Supergirl. More than enough for me to forgive the use of the mind wipe plot device to get there. The scenes where Alex interacts with Supergirl had a new and different dynamic, and Melissa's acting brilliantly displayed the emotional layers Cara was experiencing in a way that was heartbreaking and true to the core relationship between the sisters. They also did a fantastic job of weaving Kara's experience and emotions from having lost a major part of her relationship with Alex into Nia's storyline though through parallels displaying a subtlety that has not been the show's strong suit to date. <laughs> uh, seeing how Alex responds to Supergirl and other aliens without memories of having grown up with an alien sister added a layer to the underlying theme of the season because we now have a character we know and love who has a different perspective on the politics of aliens and humans in one society. Again, subtlety instead of banging the viewer over the head. I have no doubt the sister relationship will be stronger by the time Alex is cured, and I'm really looking forward to some great storytelling and great scenes, not to mention seeing how things play out until we get there, just as long as it doesn't go on too long. (laughs) I have a feeling it's going to go on uh, a little while longer. Good points about subtlety. I mean, I really did feel like, okay, they're doing a sister thing, but like, it wasn't like they turned to the camera and they were like, sisters, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Which has been a lot of this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, this episode did a better job of some of it was a little on the nose. Like you knew they were going with the sister stuff. But it it did enough to allow me to connect the dots and what they were doing. And so I, I appreciated that about the writing of this week's episode. Well, we received an email from a listener named, I think it's pronounced Alanis. Alanis, let us know if we pronounced it incorrectly, who writes, quote, I liked this Supergirl episode, although I do have a couple of questions. We did too. Uh, so <laughs> Alanis uh, writes, how is it that Kara had her Supergirl suit under her white dress when she was at Nia's mom's <laughs> memorial? Um, I think that we're just supposed to assume that she flew back to get her suit really quickly, or maybe she had she had it in the car, and she just put it on really fast. 
and she came back. That's that's what I assumed happened. Seems reasonable. Yeah. She, I mean, she just did it, like, super speed. Uh, the second question is, do you think someone will tell Eliza that much of her daughter's memories with her sister were eliminated? <laughs> I sure hope so. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. The answer is probably no, but maybe it's a good idea. I mean... I I would love to see that awkward phone call from Jean. He's like, listen, oh, man. He's like, Eliza, I understand that you're angry, but as a small business owner, <laughs> I'm just doing my best here to keep my head above water. <laughs> oh, man, Jean. Uh, get it together. Uh, so the third question is, what it, it uh, was it really necessary for Kara to shoot Alex? She could have just used super speed to stop her. That was a bad decision. And I agree. She could have used super speed to, uh, to handle the situation. It would have been a more effective and logical way for Supergirl to handle that. Um, and she probably wouldn't have injured Alex in that uh, in that method, but I think the show just wanted to create some drama, and they went with heat vision because they knew that would physically injure Alex, and she would have that wrap uh, on her hand. Um, so I, I think it also goes back to Kara, Kara injuring her sister, and this, this kind of goes into Alex, you know, furthering Alex's distrust of Supergirl. She already didn't like Supergirl for whatever reason. We don't know, uh, but now that Supergirl has injured her. That's going to make things worse with her relationship. And uh, Alex even mentions in that scene that Supergirl struck an agent of the United States military, which I was kind of like, I guess the DEO is a military uh, organization now. Um, <laughs> I don't know that we knew that before. I thought it was just like a s secret organization. Yeah, I feel like what the DEO is changes depending on what they need it to be <laughs> <laughs> kind of like catco in that regard i guess yes uh, just like catco i'm like what are you and the deo is like Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so alana has another question how is it that the red daughter sent the purple light that just fell into the guy's drugs and turned them into drugs that turn people into angry aliens uh it's just i guess a comic booky storyline a plot that uh we just have to go with doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's just to to serve the plot to to get them where they needed to go. Uh, so sometimes, I guess, with comic books, you gotta go with it. Uh, the fifth question is: uh, Do you think Lex Luthor is the reason why Red Daughter is going to America? Uh, I do, uh, Morgan. I think we mentioned that before. It yeah. seems like Lex Luthor probably, but we don't know. Could be a totally uh, different thing. And I don't know. We we know that they're calling someone in America. They're trying to reach someone in America. But I don't know if at this point we know that Red Daughter is going to America. Um, maybe they will transport her there. Uh, I guess that could be how they get her over there. But I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool if Kara's slash Supergirl had to go to Russia. That would be cool. That would be cool. I would be into seeing like a showdown in Russia. But that's just me just to have something new and different. But uh, we'll see what they do. Hopefully, we'll get more information on that. And uh, Alanis's last question uh, is, uh, I noticed something else in this episode. When Wynn made Kara's suit, he did it first without a cape, and then they realized that the cape was necessary for aerodynamics. But Red Daughter flies without a cape and doesn't seem to have any problem. That's a great point. Uh, the, red, the red daughter Kara does not fly with a cape. She seems to be doing okay, but she has had some problems. So, uh, and now she's kind of physically um, in some bad. Uh, she's she's having she's having some issues. So maybe that cape would have uh, helped her out. 
We have an email from Cody who writes, just wanted to reach out and say, great podcast. Really enjoy the show and your podcast helps keep the excitement alive. Always look forward to hearing your thoughts. Nice to hear conversations about the show since I don't have a lot of friends watching. Keep up the great work. Oh, that was nice. That's very nice, Cody. Thank you for sending Thanks, in, Cody. Uh, for sending in that email and letting us know that you're listening. Um, and I know sometimes I'm like that too. It's like, God, I really wish I had someone to talk to about this show or I wish I, you know, I need to find a podcast so I can listen to somebody else talk about it. So yeah, I totally understand because, you know, TV, um, one of my friends, one of my good friends, Heather once told me, you know, TV is best shared. So I think it's a uh, good that, uh, we can kind of help help you share uh, Supergirl, even if uh, it's through podcasting. And our last email comes from Megan, who writes, quote, Hey, Rebecca and Morgan, I just wanted to give you a quick thanks for last week's episode of the podcast. Y'all are a very funny comedy duo, and you keep me laughing through <laughs> the wacky plot holes. I was very thankful to have made it out of the grocery store and, in, and into my car before the discussion about James and Lena's apartment started. <laughs> <laughs> my laughing might have frightened the staff. Anyway, thanks again, and as always, hashtag R.I.P. Kelly, and also Livewire and Mercy and Nia's mom, also Snapper Snap and Jean's secret, unquote. <laughs> yeah, so we have had a lot of things that need a little R.I.P. in front of them, um, but I'm uh, glad you could uh, enjoy last week's episode, and um, I, I know I laughed about James and Lena's <laughs> apartment, so I'm glad you got a <laughs> chuckle out of that as well. Uh, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio here. Mauricio again with another question. So, man, this episode just left me emotionally trained. Like, the only part I was really drained is, like, when Nia's sister told her that thing, like, you're not even a real woman. I was like, ugh. That's, that's, knowing this Supergirl show, it's good by the end she's going to come back and apologize, seeing the errors of her ways. But what was something in the past, three seasons or this season alone that, like, left you emotionally drained or just, like, felt really awful by the end of the episode. That's all I wanted to know, but nice episode. Can't wait for next week's, and maybe we'll see our Lex Luthor here soon since that ending stinger. Take care. Bye. And Mauricio wants to know if there were episodes or moments in previous seasons of Supergirl that left us either emotionally drained or made us feel really awful by the end of the episode. Uh, do you have any uh, episodes or moments like that, Morgan? So there's two that I think of immediately. And one of them is, I think it was in the first season when Kara gets hit with the red kryptonite. And when she like comes back from it and realizes what she had done, she oh, starts crying. Yes. And just Melissa Benoist's performance there, it like it like you hear me, I forget things that happened two episodes ago. <laughs> I still remember that performance because it was just like a punch in the heart. Uh, she just did such a good job. So that and then when they when they pull the switcheroo on Cat Grant. Um, in the oh. first season that made me so mad. Uh, I, that made me feel awful because I was angry at everyone. <laughs> That's actually one of the episodes that I would say for, uh, making me feel awful. Blood bonds is that episode. <laughs> uh, if you've never listened to the Supergirl radio episode on blood bonds, go back and listen to it. Cause, uh, uh, Rebecca was not happy about that episode. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, the season four premiere, if you've listened, you've probably, you might have listened to that episode on American Alien. was not really happy about that one either. Uh, so those episodes didn't quite sit well with me. Um, uh, but falling really is 
uh, such a good episode because that that was the one where Kara's uh, like, did I did I kill anybody? You know, like she's she's really concerned that she did something really terrible on Red Kryptonite. Oh yeah, Melissa is really good in that episode. For me, the one that was I think most emotionally draining was season one's for the girl who who has everything, just because I was so invested in that episode and what was going on with Kara. And I knew that she was going to come out of it okay. I knew that Alex would get her out of that Black Mercy. I knew everything was going to be fine by the end of the episode. But I was still, like, I was on the edge of my seat when when Alex was trying to plead with Kara to remember who she was and, um, and you know, that she was Supergirl and that she had a sister and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> I'm glad everything <laughs> is okay. Um, but to me, that was, that was, I think, the most emotionally draining. And I think it's really interesting that we both mentioned season one episodes. Yeah, I, I, that is interesting that I think a lot of ours come from season one. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because they were really building up those characters and making us care about them. But I don't, I don't know. I think uh, season one has a lot of strong episodes that we, you know, we as Supergirl fans maybe don't give that season as much credit as maybe we should. Cause I think season one had a really, a lot of really good episodes. Uh, okay. So before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments. Sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. First set of Snap Judgments are from Danae. Uh, Which skill would you rather have? Dreaming the future or being really good at painting while wearing (laughs) flowing dresses? I mean, geez, these are... These are tough ones. This is tough. Uh, this is tough. I think I'm going to go good at painting while wearing flowing dresses. Mostly because I think Dreaming the Future has a lot of responsibility that I'm not ready for. I also think it might be stressful. Like, I feel like I, right now where I am in my life, painting a nice, like, a nice landscape scene in a flowing dress sounds great. There's no stress involved in that. <laughs> I'm on with that. <laughs> and, it, and it also seemed like maybe they grew their own fruits and vegetables like out back. Like they had a, it seemed, it just, they had that vibe. Like they had a garden, like an organic garden. They had so many plants in their, in their house that it was like, almost looked like the plants were taking over. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I have this thing about like I want to be in na- I like being in nature even though nature doesn't like me like I uh, a couple of months ago for my birthday I went to to stay in a cabin in the uh, North Georgia mountains and uh, I got bit by a like a red ant and it was not pretty and oh, no. uh, so so I love being outdoors but the outdoors don't like me back. Um, but I think I would be into living in the country. So I, you know, I could, I could do that. I could be about that life. (laughs) Okay. Which is the better Supergirl reveal? The reveal to win while jumping down a building or to Nia while jumping up into the air? Uh, jumping down a building. That was actually pretty scary. It looked like Kara was like going to fall to her death. I thought that was that was much uh, more intriguing and and exciting. I would go with the jumping down a building too. I mean, it was both uh, it was both more dramatic and also a, a meaner way to reveal it to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, who would you rather have in your game night team? Car and Alex, 
Lena and James, or Brainy and Nia. Car and Alex seem like winners. Yeah, I feel like, okay, I feel like Cara and Alex, because they're, so on one team, there's maybe somebody who's pulling that team down. I'm not going to point out what team it is. <laughs> you, <laughs> mean, you mean as of know. right now? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know how good Nia is at, at, uh, competitive gaming. I feel like Brainy would be pretty good. I don't know about Nia. Well, Nia did say that game night was a staple in her family, so she's probably good at games. Like, she's she's done that game night thing. She has done that. But Car and Alex, like, they don't even need to communicate basically to, like, get the question right. They have that, like, they have that sister bond that you can rely on if Alex has all of the parts of her brain intact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So we got a few snap judgments from Gina. Exploding Kittens or Monopoly? I've never played Exploding Kittens, but I think I would like to because of the name. Yeah, I've also never played Exploding Kittens, but uh, unless I have the uh, 300 hours required for Monopoly, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with Exploding Kittens. <laughs> that seems like a short game. That's a short Monopoly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's going to take at least uh, at least a month to finish that game. <laughs> okay. Uh, visiting Nia's dreams or visiting the rainforest? <sighs> visiting Nia's dreams seem a lot less scary. I'm going to go visiting the rainforest because, like, when, when they all went into the rainforest together, they got to, like, wear cool tactical gear True. and, like, lean up. Put, put her hair in that tactical braid. So, <laughs> so I, I also want to get some tactical gear and like just go into the rainforest. Seems fun. That, that, that's a good answer. Stressful, but fun. <laughs> okay. Radishes or donuts? Radishes are healthier, but if I'm going to eat just radishes, no, I think I'm going to eat donuts. I don't think I would eat radishes by themselves. So donuts. Yeah, I'm going to go donuts. I'm not like super into radishes. It's, it's kind of a weird one. Okay. <laughs> These ones are from new Rachel who says, okay, worse acting Kara in her various excuses to Lena from season two uh, to present and or Kara Liberty scene from uh, season four, episode eight or brainy in his scene with the frat boys. Kara was not great when she introduced herself as a uh, Kara Liberty, but uh, I also don't think brainy was very convincing either. So I think, Think I'm gonna say Brainy. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go Brainy too. He was he was trying and somehow he succeeded, but it was it was real weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lena's Corella Deville coat or her almost off the shoulder sweater. Ooh, it's a tough one. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a battle of champions here. Uh Lena's Corella Deville coat. I'm gonna switch it up and I'm gonna go her almost off the shoulder sweater because I think we've established that I think that, that sweater can do it all. <laughs> That's true. It's much more <laughs> versatile. Okay. The Wizard of Oz or Terminator 2. The Wizard of Oz. I mean, you gotta go the Wizard of Oz, although I guess T2 is a classic to some people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our last set of snap judgments come from Abby. So, the greatest human invention, the electric light or the printing press? The printing press. The printing press, absolutely. Me and my boyfriend were like, are you serious? What do you mean, not the printing press? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. We, we got really, like, condescending. <laughs> In our commentary. Okay. Since Kara cannot be affected by these, would you rather drink 
or work out with Kara. I think I would be really jealous of Kara if I was working out with her. I was about to say, I can think of nothing worse than working out with Kara. <laughs> because I, I would be very, first of all, I'd be self-conscious. She's not going to sweat. She's not going to sweat at all. She's going to look like Melissa Benoist and she's not going to sweat. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's going to be able to do everything very easily and not get tired. And I would like have my hands on my hips needing uh, water. So I, I working out with Kara sounds like a nightmare. So I guess even though I don't drink alcohol, I guess I would go drink something with with Kara. Yeah, I would drink with Kara because like at a certain point, like you don't care anymore that she's sober. And then you could just like tell her secrets you could be like, <laughs> Kara, come, come closer, come closer. <laughs> <laughs> OK, who's the worst employee? Kara who is never at CatCo and never finishing stories, or Alex, who disobeys orders at the DEO. Hmm. Oh, gosh. This is, this is maybe the hardest one we've done all night. Alex disobeying orders has more consequences. <laughs> but Kara just, she sucks at her job. But she's just so bad at it. <laughs> I guess uh, on, on the scale of things, I would guess I would go Alex disobeying orders at the DEO. Yeah, I feel like Alex disobeying orders at the DEO is probably the right one to go with. She is the director <laughs> of the DEO. Presumably, she could make her own rules, and yet she can't <laughs> even follow those. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, okay. I mean, it's hard to beat Kara, who literally never does anything at her <laughs> job, but... <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> All right. Our last snap judgment for the night is Lena in last week's workout clothes or this week's jeans and sweater. Finally, something off the shoulder. <laughs> what we've all been waiting for. <laughs> uh, this week's jeans and sweater. Yeah, listen, uh, my, my feelings about that sweater are well-defined, so I got to go sweater. <laughs> that was a no-brainer. No judgments on your snap judgments. That's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on this week's episode called Blood Memory. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. We would appreciate it if you would write or call in before Tuesdays uh, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, just so we can get everybody in as much as possible. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Radio Public, Podchaser, Pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, we are there. Uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash uh, forward slash DC dash fans. And we are listed on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And if you need to find any of those links that I just mentioned, you can go to supergirlradio.com and uh, check uh, the links on the right side of the page. And just as a reminder, we do post emails from listeners to the website you all send in some great thoughts and sometimes we can't include all of the emails uh on the podcast in their full form because the podcast episodes would be like five hours long so um i would encourage everyone to pop on over to supergirlradio.com and interact with uh everybody in the comments section uh and just uh bounce ideas off of each other i i need to get in there and and get in those comments section myself but it's it's been great to see what everybody thinks um if, from their emails and uh, thank you for letting us post the emails to our website supergirl radio is part of the dc 
Fantasy TV Podcast Network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, still not as fast as Kara, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher, follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter, and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. You can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. Uh, I'm still <laughs> kind of posting some things, uh, so you can you can find me on Twitter. But Instagram is a better place because I like pretty pictures. Uh, I also voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest, so check that podcast out. And I am also a contributor to another podcast called JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com if you are interested in any of the DC films. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which I'm excited to say we just recently dropped an episode. Uh, we have a very long hiatus for Legends of Tomorrow. We're just uh, we're just hunkering down until April. So wow. we're doing a yeah, it's a insane, insane hiatus. So we're just doing a monthly episodes we've got some cool stuff uh in the works and some cool stuff planned out uh and the last one we just sort of uh we took some listener questions and we talked about the the show and then we kind of just veered off into talking about the state of tv in general and superhero shows and cw shows and it got it, it was just sort of a free-flowing conversation i enjoyed that episode i have i oh, have listened you. to it <laughs> even though i don't watch the show i still listen to the podcast so I appreciated y'all's thoughts on uh, the state of TV and what was going on. So, cause, and I agreed with a good chunk of it. Uh, so I really, uh, I'm glad that you all are still putting out episodes, even though the show has taken such a long break. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio on Blood Memory. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Gladden. And remember the first commandment of road trips. Thou shalt defer to the driver's choice of music. (laughs) 